my friends, and welcome to the worldwide broadcast of the Ted Austin Brower Show, bringing you the latest world news and health research. Hope you guys are having an absolutely fantastic day today. Hope you guys are staying healthy and safe and wise, as always. There's many things going on, but we still know the truth that's happening. So thank you again for the continued support of Health Masters as we continue to fight the good fight along with all of y'all and keep the truth flowing on every level that we can. And be sure to check out the product of the week, the Purple Sticks, on sale right now. And be sure to vote for what you want to see win uh, tomorrow because, as you guys know, every single Wednesday it changes on what actually wins as y'all vote for it. And we have the product of the week that's winning pretty strongly right now, the B-Complex, and also has the Ultra Omega-3 and the Joint Relief film re- relief Formula right behind it. So be sure to check those out on the website at healthmasters.com. The first thing I wanted to bring up today, and I found this to be very, very strange and quite ominous in Italy now, They're now saying that they're going to start piloting essentially a social credit score system for climate friendly behavior. Now, we were waiting for this to start happening in, you know, first world countries that really were not quite alongside the level of tyranny that the Chinese Communist Party exhibits. And we're starting to see that now in the city of uh, Bologna, Italy. They've announced a pilot program to essentially reward virtuous citizens for recycling taking public transportation, and curbing energy usage. The program now, which is being likened pretty much directly to the Chinese social credit system, is slated to go into effect September 2022 using a smart citizen wallet app on your cell phones. In September, they said, we'll start with a pilot project for the city as the center for the virtuous citizen, the one who, for example, separates waste well, does not waste energy, uses public transportation as much as possible, does not receive any fines, and actively uses their welcome card. I'm not even sure what that is. I have to go into detail on that one. They said they will assign such citizens a score as part of a reward system with economic benefits to the individual user. Citizens will have access to their rating, which can be improved by earning points, which they may spend on prizes such as rebates and culture activities as a reward for their virtuous behavior. They stated the app was part of a broader initiative by the city to engage in digital innovation. And what's interesting about this is they're putting it out there like it's this big, fancy thing. So you're going to receive extra points, I guess, when you save a unicorn or you basically find a rainbow or when you donate a pot of gold. And obviously I'm joking on these topics because this is pretty much the same lunacy that they're talking about. This is always the early phase in that they actually did in China. Back in the teens, it's like 2013, 2014, China started rolling this out as far as the same exact same kind of concept. And as you guys know, I think by 2018, 2019, it was rolled out in full force. By the time COVID hit, it was fully active online platform with over 700 million CCTVs that monitored every single citizen's actions as they walked and lived around the country including the fact that if you jaywalk, your score goes down. If you hang out with other people that have a lower score, your score goes down. If you don't pay all of your bills on time, your score goes down. If you say anything negative online, your score goes down. And as your score gets too low, you essentially become a homeless individual. You can't get an apartment. You can't rent a hotel. You can't get a car. You can't renew your driver's license. You can't take public transportation. They told you guys, remember, how they already had blocked millions of people from being able to fly or use trains because of their social credit score? That's in China. 
And this is the exact same platform that the Chinese Communist Party used about eight to ten years ago, and they're now rolling it out in Italy, which is very sad to see. The biggest thing you can do to combat these things is simply this. Wake people up about them and do not engage in them. Do not be active with them. I saw an article the other day, and somebody said one of the easiest ways to combat this entire global aspect is don't use your cell phone. Don't use your iPhone. And as difficult as that concept is to comprehend for a lot of us, he's exactly right. There's really no argument with that. The iPhones, these smartphones, have been used actively to go in now and control people's movements, monitor what they do, monitor their actions, build algorithms on them to the social media platforms. Take a look back. Think about this 14, 15 years ago when we had you know, the, the giant Razor phone. You know, that was like the pinnacle of phones back then. I think it was in 2004, 2005 when that phone came out. And, you know, they made a couple versions of it. And, you know, it had a potato phone camera. I mean, it was, it was like five pixels. And, you know, you couldn't really do much texting. You had to push your numbers on it. And, you know, they had the BlackBerry come out and T-Mobile had their slider phone come out. And those were like the just, I mean, the absolute pinnacle of phone technology at the time. And most of those platforms didn't have any significant type of serious tracking or algorithm platforms quite frankly most of them you could simply push the button on the back and the battery pop out and the phone was completely and totally useless at that point couldn't track it couldn't monitor it couldn't do anything there's a reason why when they started building the iphone you can't take the battery out of them (laughs) it wasn't to prevent you from taking the battery out of them to change it it was the fact they wanted to make sure that the phone always had some type of base link even when the battery allegedly dies on your phone it still has an uplink system that's connected. A lot of people don't realize that. When your phone dies and you can't use it anymore, it's not useless. They can still go in and monitor it. The only actual way to not be tracked on an iPhone is simply don't have one or to break it in half, basically disassemble disassemble it, break it in half. That's it. And so what they've done now with these platforms, they use them more and more and more. This is why I've told you in general, especially if you're using one, to make sure you have limited amount of social media presence on those phones and keep all your permissions turned off on a regular basis and to also keep your cameras covered up on a regular basis. You can either do that with tape on the selfie camera or you can use a slider section on cases on the back. You can cover up your other cameras. Those cameras are active 24-7, 365, regardless of what anybody wants to believe. You can look at basically the social uh, social experiment, certain movies that have been done, and they talk about this in detail. Once you download those apps and you agree to the terms and conditions, they have full access, full monitoring to every single thing you do on your phone, including your microphone, which is why I've told people if you're having – a serious conversation with other people that you want to kept private for whatever reason you choose, uh, put the phones in another room or put them in a closet or put them in a cabinet or put them somewhere. They're basically out of the way. And if you really want to be safe and secure, use your iPhone on a rare basis or your regular phone on a rare basis and basically travel without it. Or you can go buy like a prepaid flip phone if you're wanting to basically stay low key. People go, oh, that's being paranoid, Austin. It is until you actually do the research. Once you do the research and you realize what they're doing and how they're monitoring everybody, they're building giant data points with algorithm bases on everybody, you start to realize exactly what these platforms and apps. Because have you noticed the social credit score app, exactly what they just said here. It's going to be a small, smart citizen wallet app in Italy. The tracking platforms that they built on the iPhones during COVID, the COVID tracking apps, All these different things they're building on the phone to monitor more and more and more of what you do all under the guise 
of safety and security. So be very aware of that. Also, too, in other news as well, as more and more people are starting to realize the EV market is not what we're being told, Ford now has come out on Zero Hedge. They had an article that was interviewing John D'Angelo from the Windsor Star, who's the president of Unifor Local 2000, which leads workers at Ford's Windsor, Ontario, Canada engine plant. And he blatantly said that the auto manufacturer has zero plans to give up on internal combustion engines for the next several decades. He said they will continue through 2040. He said they're still a long way from getting out of the combustion side when it comes to trucks, and they don't see until the earliest of 2040s before they get out of the combustion side. He went on further to say that I don't think we're going to be able to transition out of heavy-duty trucks quickly. The battery power, the weight, and the mining material is simply not there. Meanwhile, the U.S. has encountered a significant problem in the green transition as it requires an enormous amount of industrial metals for battery making, something the U.S. currently lacks significantly. Windsor has the right idea, keeping producing, keep producing combustion engines because the green transition is not going to be as seamless as they've lied to us about. This is why I've continued to tell you, buy vehicles that get good fuel mileage and are reliable and you know how to maintain them and continue to keep up with them. This whole EV deal is nothing short of a complete and total sham in order to force people into a market they don't want to be in to control their further output. Once people start getting on these EV platforms, remember there's only, I think they said, 3% of the vehicles, 3 to 5% of the vehicles on the road are EV right now. That's it. And California has already had to put memos out telling people, please don't charge your cars at peak hours because it's basically killing the power grid. Guys, what's supposed to happen when there's 80 to 90% of the vehicles on the road that are EV? How does that possibly keep up? And the answer is it can't. The time and regulatory process required to build nuclear power plants is almost unfathomable, and they're going to have to do that significantly in order to keep up with this. They're saying now if we want full EV at minimum, each state, each state would have to have at least 10 more nuclear power plants to switch over to full EV system. The high-voltage transmission lines requiring corridors to move the current would have to be completely rebuilt and redone across the country. The entire grid to residential areas would have to be rebuilt to handle the increased demand. Anybody think we can do this in the next five to ten years, Oh, especially with the material and chip shortages they keep telling us about? how the lithium-ion battery mines we don't have access to. No, my personal opinion is what they're going to try to do is they're going to try to limit the amount of the ability for people to actually drive in general. They don't want to have hundreds of millions of cars on the road in the United States at all. They want to drop that number down, in my opinion, to like a couple million. Then EV vehicles are no longer a problem anymore charging. They don't want people to be able to travel freely, unmolested on their way. And this is why I've told everybody – our freedom to travel, our freedom to breathe fresh air, our freedom to speak freely, they're all intertwined with one another. They're not islands. They can't be held one alone by themselves. The ability to carry a firearm, the ability to defend your family, they're all intertwined. There's a reason why it was the Bill of Rights being plural. It wasn't the Bill of Right. next paper, Bill of Right 2, Bill of Right 3. It was all ingrained one another. They put them all together for a very specific reason. They're like a cohesive unit, a fire team. They're all entangled with one another. Once you start removing certain bills and certain rights, and certain aspects to that. And you say, well, you can do this, but you can't do it freely. 
you're able to go here, but you have to wear a muzzle everywhere you go, and we have to put a dog leash on you, and you have to carry a passport in your hand, and you have to carry another digital app in your hand, and we have to scan your retina when you get off the plane, and, 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 and. It's no longer a right or the ability to travel anymore. It's now a very, very intrusive privilege that you have to jump through 50 hoops in order to go anywhere. That's what they're trying to do with the transportation and vehicles. Right now, we've seen the violation of our rights through the Transportation Act and the TSA and the Patriot Act after 9-11. What they're trying to do is they're trying to roll that same platform out, out in the United States on the vehicle market. I watched a vehicle uh, video yesterday from a comedian but he wasn't joking and he was out in california and he was getting picked up at bank of america by an uber and he needed to go to trader joe's he's real big on uh social media and i had had sharon posted on instagram and he's sitting there waiting for uber and it says your unmanned uber is here to pick you up and he's he recorded the whole thing he goes this is really bizarre he goes i'm standing in the parking lot and there's a minivan sitting here looking at me nobody's in the minivan right now nobody's in the car and he goes your uber's ready and he gets in, and it has a big iPad in the back seat, and it says push start to continue destination. It is eight miles to Trader Joe's, and it's going to be estimated ten minutes. And the car starts driving. He's the only person in the car, and he's recording. He's like flabbergasted. He's like, this is so bizarre. Well, within probably two minutes of the ride, the phone starts ringing on the intercom of the, the minivan. This is completely unscripted. He just he just did this on a whim. He does stuff all the time, like just goofy stuff. And he's sitting there going, okay, this is weird. They say, oh, this is your Uber ride safety concierge receptionist. Um, sir, we need to make sure all passengers are wearing their seatbelts at all times. And he's like, oh, I'm not wearing my seatbelt. He's like, okay, I'll put my seatbelt on. And he goes, what, why? How did you know I'm not wearing my seatbelt? She goes, "Oh, we monitor the safety of all partic- or all occupants in the cab at all times while they're riding." He goes, "So you can see I'm not wearing a seatbelt?" She goes, "Yes, sir. You need to put a seatbelt on." He goes, "Okay, my seatbelt's on now." She goes, "Okay, thank you. Enjoy the rest of your ride." Click. Yeah, it's like that. That's where they're planning on taking this with the EV platforms, where they monitor every single thing you do. Remember the pilot program they put in the transportation bill and the giant infrastructure bill. By 2025, they're going to roll a pilot program out that's going to have cameras and sensors in the vehicles that is going to monitor if you're distracted, if you're inebriated, if you're not paying attention, if you're tired. It's going to notify you or notify law enforcement if the vehicle needs to pull over because you're inebriated and you need to be serviced with a DUI. Yeah, all that is designed to do the next phase of what I just said happened to us in the planes and traveling in air. They want to make sure nobody has the ability to travel freely on their way on the interstates. Every single thing you do is going to be recorded, videotaped, microphone, and monitored. That is why it is so important we continue to stand up for freedom and we continue to make our voices heard and vote with your dollar. Can't be any more clear on that, Dad. What do you think? Well, I'm thinking about an eight-track tape player. Now, you have no idea what that is, Austin. <laughs> I've heard of never seen one. It's an old cassette thing that we used to put into our cars, and this is back in the 70s. Probably the worst technology ever developed. The tape had an internal looping mechanism that you could play over and over and rewind, and they always jammed, they always broke, they always got wrapped up inside of the vehicle's stereo system, and then it shifted to cassette tape. 
And everybody said, oh my gosh, we have arrived, we have arrived, we have arrived. It's so much better than 8-track. And then they, then they started doing better quality cassettes. And then pretty soon it went to a CD system in the car. And then pretty soon it went to a basically live streaming. And now you don't even have cassettes or 8-tracks or DVDs or anything else in cars anymore. You have to stream it live, you know, through Pandora, through one of the streaming services that links to your phone wirelessly. And it's the technology as we watch it progress and progress and progress. Not that it's any better than it should have been, but it's easier to use sometimes. And you don't have as many mechanical problems with it, but it's the same thing with EV vehicles. Right now, you're right. An EV vehicle is a novelty. That's all it is, just a novelty. And there's no way they can produce enough EV vehicles in order to accommodate everybody in the United States and not crush the power grid and not produce it because they don't have, they don't have the lithium. Everything you said is right. The problem is, is they're not planning on all of us having cars anymore. That's, that's the bottom line here. When you gotta wait, used to, I could order a car, and I know I've said this to you several times already, but you could order a truck and within six to eight weeks, you'd have a brand new truck from General Motors. It'd just be sitting there. The, the mechanism was in place. Now it's a year. It's a year wait. Been a year, been almost a year, eight months, nine months, six months, seven months. And if you even get the vehicle. I mean, last year I, I bought a couple trucks for the company and they weren't even the trucks I ordered. Somebody else had canceled their order, and I was able to get a couple of trucks, and my trucks, the ones I ordered, never came in. They just never showed up. That's a breakdown of the infrastructure of the United States as it shifts from one technology to another as it goes from eight-track tape to streaming services, and it's trying to do it one big jump, and it can't do it. That's the problem, and that's why we're having all these shortages. Plus, it's like you said also, Austin, they don't want us driving and having freedom to go unmolested on our way. If you're driving the car and you're erratic, let's say you're tired. Let's say you're tired and you shouldn't be driving, okay? And you, but you're going to be there in 20 minutes, and you swerve a little bit over the center line, and all of a sudden your car says you're drunk. I'm calling the police. The car is going to pull over now, and we're going to wait until the police arrive to have a breathalyzer test done, or they put a breathalyzer test right on the car, which they have that technology, that technology too. You see, this is all about taking away our freedoms. It's all about changing who we are. All of this is. And these Kabbalist, Luciferian, Synagogue of Satan groups that run State Street, BlackRock, and Vanguard, these bloodline families, they've always been in control of everything like this. And you're exactly right. They want to reduce the population of the planet, reduce the amount of vehicles on the planet, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, because they want us to live in central hubs, in cities where we can walk or take bicycles and not have the ability to own land and have freedom any longer and have our own solar panels or have our own well and they want to be able to control every aspect of their life like they're doing in Shanghai right now. Let's go ahead and lock them up in their apartments. Let's go ahead and starve them out and make them listen to us and force them into compliance. And, and that's how they do it. And, and see, and again, we've talked in detail about why China is the model society as far as its communism because of the lack of having Jesus Christ as a center. And what they did when the Chinese revolution occurred, they just killed millions of Christians. <laughs> they just took them out and killed them because – they had enough of them actually interfering with what they wanted to have done because they had already seen it with the Russian Orthodox Church. And I want to talk about one other thing today, which is very aggravating to me. You know, we've got this complex thing that we call sexual development as humans. And, you know, it's very, very complex. And if it goes sideways in any aspect of its development, you have all kinds of deleterious, you know, side effects and events such as transgenders, et cetera, et cetera. You know, I, this morning I looked up, you know, how to have a how how to help your children develop a healthy sexual orientation, assuming that the articles that were coming out of the Michigan State University would be talking about heterosexual development. Well, this article doesn't talk about it at all. It talks about how to transition your children to be gays, 
to be transgenders, to be bi's, to be pansexuals. And I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute, wait a minute. And then I started doing, you know, digging back into it. I started looking at it all. And we talked about this in depth on April the 18th, which is right now a week ago, a little over a week ago that you guys need to listen to. And I talked about the list of characters who were involved in all of this stuff. And I want to cover that a little bit with you today because, you know, this Pavlovian conditioning like they do with the smartphones, like they're doing that in Italy now, this is all based on Pavlov. It's all based on Freud. It's all based on that sick pervert that I introduced you to last year, last week, Magnus Hirschfeld, Freud. Who's, these, by the way, Hirschfeld was a 17 Kabbalist Luciferian. So was Freud. So was Bernays. They're all Satanists. So was Stalin. So was Lenin. And, you know, many of them are high-level, also Masonic leaders, as was Walt Disney. All of this stuff is being used to shift us from eight-track cassettes to streaming to electric vehicles. That's a metaphor, by the way, for those of you who I threw that one at you kind of quick. It's a metaphor. It's all being used to change us and change society as a whole to bring in that new world order under Lucifer into Genesis chapter 6. And I want to cover that with you today a little bit because I want to go into detail with that. And we've got the Frankfurt School with cultural Marxism and critical race theory. And then we've got Disney. Then we have Hollywood, which is also known as Hollywood. We have media, the media that's owned by these same groups of people. We have the universities teaching this filth like I just mentioned. And then we have peer pressure. Well, don't you know there's nothing wrong with being gay? There's nothing wrong with being bi. It's all right to do all of these things because it's more fun that way and you have better sexual development. You don't want to have any weird hang-ups, do you? Wow, that's how the kids talk to each other, by the way. Then we have the Boy Scouts of America, which were infiltrated, and a lot of the Boy Scouts scout leaders became groomers to sexually assault young Boy Scouts. We see these lawsuits everywhere, and the Boy Scouts are pretty much bankrupt now because the Boy Scouts are teaching young men how to go out and camp how to go out and hunt, how to go out and be men. Well, they had, they couldn't allow that. They had to come in and they had to change that and they had to put a bunch of queers in the Boy Scouts to groom the young boys and sodomize these young kids in the tents in the middle of the night. That happened too. See, well, gosh, guys, this is awful. Then we have the fact that the church is so heavily, deeply compromised because of the Johnson Amendment and because of the name it, claim it, blab it, grab it groups of the Kabbalists, Luciferians, and the huge amount of Masonic leadership that has come into the churches. Some of the church boards are controlled by Masonic by Masonic leaders and Masonic pastors in these churches. And then we have the lack of proper role models for Christian men. You know, we have these milquetoast Christian guys who act like they're queer, but they're not. I'm going to be direct here with you. They, they, they talk like queers. They walk like queers. They act like queers, but they're not queers. And they're the leadership of the young boys in these churches, in many cases, in the youth groups. And you think, what the heck are you talking about? I'm just being really just abrasively blunt today. The real men who go out and try to help these young men uh, basically are basically many times marginalized. The other day we, we met a young fella here. He's about 18 years old and, and you know, in the neighborhood we were walking, and I started talking to him. I started talking to him about Jesus, and he's a Christian. And he asked me this simple question. He said, why are you helping me? This, this, is, this is a story from my life right now. And I said, because when I was young, I had a young a, a, a man who took me under his wing, who was a real man, and he helped me. And I want to give back. And he goes, oh, wow, I didn't know that. Then I had another young man who basically is you know, one of my relatives, and his mom brought him over because I guess she wanted to have a relationship with the family for various reasons that had been severed. And I tried to do the same thing for him. 
took him through a workout, tried to teach him about God, tried to teach him about Jesus, and he knew who God was. But, you know, he's getting pushback now from his other relatives as far as, oh, that Ted Brower, he's a Christian. You have to be careful with him. He really, really, really worships Jesus. <laughs> I guess that's what they said because I have ceased to hear from him because I'm not going to play the game. Plus, I told both of them about the shots. About them. Both of them have been fully vaccinated by their parents, which is, is, is egregious to me that the parents can't look at this. But look what they've done. Look at the classical and operant conditioning they've used to reinforce that you can't go to a pediatrician if you don't have your children vaccinated. You can't get them into school if you don't have your children vaccinated. This all started back in the 70s. And so now, all of a sudden, these children are being basically injected with who knows what. Of course, we know what. And it's causing them all kinds of health problems with them, including autism. And you look at this and you go, wow. Well, think about this for a second. Let's say we had a child, a male, decided he wanted to get married. And he wanted to have four children. Okay. And then his wife went along with that. And she decided to have four children. And so they're doubling the population. They go from two to four every generation. Well, you know what the law of math and the law of geometric progression does. You know, within a few generations, within 20, 30 generations, you're going to have millions of more people on the planet from these two people. Just these two. Okay. Two, four, eight, 16, 32, 64. You know how it works when you double that penny every day. And all of a sudden, you are able to come in now and take those, these children, and it doesn't matter if it's 1 million or 10 million of these children, and you're able to have, how should I say, sterilize them because now they're a transgender. Now suddenly these children are not reproducing. Suddenly you make them a queer. Now they're not reproducing. Suddenly you give them hormones, and they can't reproduce, and their sperm count is really, really low, or they're not ovulating properly, and they can't reproduce. This is why they're going after the children, guys. They want to create as much perversion as they possibly can, and they want to reduce the population expansion through a geometric growth pattern. That's why they push people. Only have one child. Only have one child. Only have one child. Well, that wasn't working well enough because people like me and Sharon, we had four children. You know, we decided to have more children. Besides, we don't want to listen to you guys because you guys are a bunch of weirdos. We're not going to listen to you. We're going to promote this and have four children and raise them in the way of the Lord. Now, is that, does that always work when you raise them in the way of the Lord? No, because they have all these other influences that I already talked about. Even if they have a godly role model, even if you put your children into karate, even if you do all these different things, they have so much peer pressure pulling at them. And see, and this is the thing. Then you end up, then you end up with this. You end up with women who don't know that BPA is a gender-bending chemical, that atrazine is a gender-bending chemical, and they expose themselves to these chemicals while they're pregnant with a child, which changes the brain development. Instead of a left brain dominated male hemisphere, you put enough hormones, enough estrogen into that female, it changes that baby's developmental brain cycle from that of a male to that of a female to a right brain developed hemisphere. The hormones do this and they know that. They cause brain changes. Then you have these then you have this you have the horror the horror of divorce and the emotional damage that, that does. And I speak personal experience for that. You know, my parents got divorced when I was like five years old. My mom was suffering post-traumatic stress syndrome, and I loved my mom, and I preached her funeral for her. I did everything I could to honor her, but she was really damaged psychologically. And, I, and my dad, bless his heart, he didn't know what to do. He ended up going back to Iowa, and he came back and visited us during the winter times, and it was cold in Iowa. He was a good man. I had a great father, and my mom was great in some areas and other areas because of her alcoholism. She was hard to deal with and hard to fo- focus with. That causes another problem with children in development. And so what you end up having to do is have a mentor, if you could find one, if you're a young man or a young girl, of somebody who's going to teach you the right way of doing things, and you're going to have to look at Jesus Christ as your mentor. The problem is with a young child that's taken to church, 
And if they had a brainwave state and they're taught, you know, one hour a week, you know, what they should and shouldn't do, and suddenly you have the Presbyterian Church and now you have the Lutheran Church and now you have the Methodist Church hosting, you know, how should I say this, you know, trans story hour, teaching the children how to love everybody, including transgenders. I saw that article this morning. It was sent to me. And I, and I wanted to just throw up. I wanted to vomit. I, I, I couldn't believe it because here's a little bit of influence you still have left in the church is being taken over by the transgenders again. And this is the problem that we have as Christians. This group of Kabbalist Luciferians has come in because they control the industries. They control the BPA. They control the hormones. They control the American Medical Association. They control Freud and all of the psychiatric diseases that you have. Like if you say now, if you say someone shouldn't be gay, you're basically doing hate speech, and now you can be prosecuted for that in some states and some countries. If you talk about the problem associated with homosexuality from the Bible, what ends up happening in Canada now, if you preach it from the pulpit, you're arrested. All of these things are being done to destroy the word of God in people's minds who will no longer have the proper effect of allowing you to raise a proper, how should I say, heterosexual child. All they want is complete and total confusion and everything. Then you end up with lack of male leadership in the home. And now, ladies, forgive me because I'm going to say something that may get a few of you mad, but I'm just being honest with you. You have a dominant mother who basically can be a woman's liver, and she refuses to have sex with her husband unless he does what she wants him to do. You say, well, that doesn't happen. That happens all the time. And then you have the guys who basically – or raised in a way that basically they probably shouldn't have been raised, and they don't really think there's much to it if they have an affair on their wife or the wife has an affair on her husband because of the loose moral structure they were raised in. And so now you have a relationship that's kind of hard to deal with from a parental standpoint and from a marital standpoint with your spouse. And all of a sudden the spouse beats you with a hammer metaphorically unless you do what they say to do, and the hammer is the sexual relationship. And then the same thing is true with the man. The man basically gets fed up with that. He goes out and finds himself a girlfriend. Or it can be the other way around. The wife wants to have a relationship with her husband. He doesn't want to. She goes out and finds herself a boyfriend. All of this stuff is part of the sexual maturation of an individual and their children who they raise. And I see it. And that's why I say to you guys, without Jesus Christ being the center of your life, without Jesus Christ being the person you pray to every day with your children – Unless, and even when you do all of that, the children may still not do what they need to do because of freedom of will. And look at God. I mean, God basically puts us together, knits us together, makes us, gives us freedom of will, and suddenly, because he gave us true freedom of will, Adam and Eve decides to go sideways, both of them. I mean, that's pretty frustrating. Can you imagine how God must have felt like, you know, what the heck just happened here? I built these people. I built these children. I built these, these individuals, and now they've turned right around on me. And they've done whatever they want to do whenever they want to do it. And, and the sad part about this is we have to continually deal with this. And then if it's not enough, you take them to Disney. You take them to the Magic Kingdom. You take them to a theme park. And suddenly the employees there are acting like they're about to kiss each other, two queers. And you got to say something to them. And then they threaten to throw you out of the park because you called them out for their inappropriate behavior in front of your children. I've had that happen to me personally. I would never recommend that anybody take a child to Disney. It's a filthy, filthy place. And why would you be involved and support a company that does stuff like this that wants to promote transgenderism to children and to groom them at the age of four to be homosexuals or transgenders? This is all part of the same satanic process. 
It's all part of the Kabbalists from 1666 who decided that they wanted to turn the world upside down and make everything evil all of the time so they could resurrect their serpent god. It's all part of the Zohar, you know, the Kabbalah. And you think, well, gosh, man, this is rough. No, it is rough. And that's why if you don't keep your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ, there really isn't any chance for you or the family in the aggregate now as far as a population. They've taken us to this level now in the United States. The United States that I knew is no longer here from the 50s. It's impossible to raise a child like you did back in 1950 because the 1950 American no longer exists. They've taken us to this level of depravity. And this is why we have to always keep our hearts and minds focused on Christ because we're going to be little pockets of Christians. We're going to still have that. You know, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I'm going to always stand firm in the word of God. You guys know me. You know I will. I'll die for what I believe. You know that, and I've talked to my wife about it. She said she's willing to die for what she believes too, and that's going to always be here. There's always going to be pockets of people that have been persecuted to the point where they're willing to die for their beliefs, and they're willing to basically take a stand like we do on this show as far as what's really going on and who did all of this stuff. And the churches aren't doing that anymore. They're having their transgender story hour, you know, with these major denominations now, and they're basically they're putting homosexual pastors into the pulpit. To me, that's an oxymoron. That cannot be done because it's not a pastor who's a Christian, as far as I'm concerned. But yet, this is where we find ourselves because of what's happened from all of the things that I've talked to you with cultural Marxism and the Frankfurt School. And and this is the population of the planet now are like this. They become a very very secular world. And this is what they're trying to do, bring us back to Genesis chapter 6. There's a man, Dr. S.M. Lockridge, and he was born in 1913. He died in 2000, lived to be 87. He wrote something. He said, here's what he says. He goes, that's my king. He's talking about Jesus. And he said, he is the king of righteousness. He is the king of ages. He is the king of heaven. He is the king of glory. He is the king of kings, and he is the Lord of lords. Now, that's my king. David says, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. No means of measure can define his limitless love. No far-seeing telescope can bring into visibility the coastline of his shoreless supply. No barriers can hinder him from pouring out his blessing. He's enduringly strong. He's sincerely and entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally, immortally grateful, and he's imperially powerful. His impartiality is merciful. That's my king. And he goes on. It's a very long writing that he did with this. So I'm not going to read all of it to you, but I want you to understand. He goes on to say that he's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. I'm trying to tell you that the heaven of heavens cannot contain him, let alone a man explain him. You can't get him out of your mind. You can't get him off of your hands. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. The Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. The witnesses couldn't get their testimonies to agree, and Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him, and the grave couldn't hold him. That's my king. Thine is the kingdom. Thine is the power. Thine is the glory. The glory is all his. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever and ever. And you get through with all of this to forever's, then that's an amen. Guys, listen to me. Keep your hearts and minds in Jesus. Keep your children in taekwondo, your boys, in karate. Teach them how to go out and hunt. Teach them how to properly court a woman. 
pray to God Almighty that you find a woman who's willing to be properly courted and willing to follow the ways of Jesus and teach the same thing to your women, to your young girls that you raise. Just try to find a godly man. Stay in those areas of the youth groups that they are teaching the right way and the correct way. Don't go to churches that promote this perversion. It's really, really important, guys. It's going to change more and more and more, just like the audio cassette came from the 8-track, which went to the live streaming, which is going to the novelty called the Tesla. There's a reason they allowed Tesla to buy Twitter. They completely controlled control Tesla. There's no way Tesla's worth the combined totals in the net worth of all of the other major organizations and the other major manufacturers of automobiles combined. It's impossible. They've taken Elon Musk, who wants to put you into a Neuralink program, and they're making him a hero. So you listen to him and you do what he tells you to do. We're being groomed, metaphorically, to basically follow Elon Musk and what he's teaching and to support everything he does. Because he's standing for freedom of speech now with Twitter. Elon Musk is good. No, he's not. He's another cutout from the Rothschild banking cartel to basically control you and to condition you. Always remember that and keep your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ. He's your mentor. He's who we follow. Austin, what do you think, buddy, and what's your next story? Well, that was really well said. And, you know, as much as myself and many other people I know would love to have social media platforms completely and totally free speech platforms where they didn't go in and censor conservatives and censor sitting presidents of the United States, regardless of your stance on Trump, love him or hate him. I told everybody when that happened, when Twitter came out and basically banned a sitting president of the United States without any recourse, they pretty much showed us who runs the social media platforms and pretty much who runs the country. What's going on now with Elon Musk acquiring Twitter is not an accident. It's a big chess move. What they're doing is exactly what Dad just said. I would love and I hope and pray, and I still have a little bit of faith that maybe there will be some free speech reform in social media. Will it be something that happens? Probably. Is it going to be short-term and realistic and actually something that's being done for the betterment of society? Mm, probably not, unfortunately, as much as that is. It's the same analogy we talked about yesterday with the field goal movement. What they're doing is they're giving everybody this, okay, now we've moved some goals back. Now we've made some plays back. Now we're actually making a difference. And they'll probably allow that to happen for a little bit. But I don't believe for one second, I've told you guys this before, the fact that Elon Musk is just an independent businessman that happened to now be the richest man in the world, allegedly, and has the combined total of pretty much every single car manufacturer net worth in Tesla. Remember, Tesla's gotten multiple federal bailouts. Tesla's gotten multiple gigantic, multi-hundred million dollar green deals from the U.S. government in order to keep Tesla afloat because it was insolvent for the beginning phases because it's so expensive to build EVs. It is completely cost prohibitive to build those vehicles. That's the irony that is so funny that I laugh at people when they start talking about, well, no, it's, it's going to save the planet. It's, it's zero green, you know, all green, zero, zero emissions. I'm like, where's the power come from? Hmm? We just, you're just randomly going to have these power grids that are going to be able to power all these cars and charge these batteries? What about the transportation across the country? And one thing that somebody said the other day, and I was, I was listening to an article, I was reading an article, and it said the electric vehicles are only designed for short-term driving periods. They are not designed for long-term cross-country traveling. And I thought it was interesting because, remember, I told you guys I met with one of my friends from Utah down in here in Florida. He moved to Florida with his family, and I had lunch with him a couple weeks ago, and he drives a Tesla. 
And I asked him, okay, cut it straight, no bias, what's your real take on it? And he said, driving around town, charging it up at the house at night, it's really cool, doesn't really cost any fuel, doesn't cost me a ton of electricity because the battery never goes that low because I'm driving around town, cross-country, absolutely abysmal failure nightmare to try to travel across the country, trying to make sure you have everything set up with hitting Tesla hypercharger stations the whole time, 30 to 45-minute charges every single time you stop every 300 miles, a trip that took me probably normally about 35 to 36 hours in my last vehicle, took me about 45 hours in the Tesla total time because of all the stops I had to continue to make, absolute failure for cross-country traveling, great for around town. And I went, all right, that doesn't really get much more honest than that. And think about it for a second, guys, exactly what Dad just said a minute ago. They want to have their little little communities that they're working on, their little Internet of Things and their little smart cities that everybody lives in and has everything in, and it's supposed to be this utopia and you don't have to go do anything, kind of like they have over in Shanghai and Beijing, right? You know, they're little mega cities that everybody's just so happy and euphoric in all the time, especially when they get locked down and have their entire apartments gridlocked at the bottom and aren't allowed to leave to get food. Yeah, kind of like that, right? Same concept. They don't want you to say, you know what? I'm getting out of here. This state's an absolute failure. I'm traveling from Florida, and I'm going up to Montana, or I'm going up to North Carolina, or I'm going up to Michigan, or I'm going up to Missouri Ozarks. No, buddy, that doesn't need to happen. You need to be able to stay in your little city where you're deemed to stay. You do your job. You stay in the rat race. You stay in debt, and you continue to do what we tell you to do. That's what they want to have happen. That's exactly why they're building these platforms. What we're starting to see now with Twitter is going to be the exact same thing we saw, in my opinion, with Donald Trump. They're going to start painting Elon Musk as essentially the savior of the free community in the United States. They have to paint a man on a white horse in order to keep people distracted from what's going on and to not doing anything on their own. I said this, and I said this sadly, but it's the truth. When Donald Trump got the election stolen from him, the one positive aspect that it did is that it made a lot of people realize that there's nobody coming to save us. Ian Smith said the same thing the other day. He was talking about he's trying to run for Congress now up there with the Atlas Gym. And he said that's a concept everybody has to understand. Nobody's coming to save any of us. We're on our own with this, and we have to work within our communities and within our states and within our cities and within our counties to support one another and stay strong and get the truth out there and stand firm. Pretending that somebody's going to suddenly come out on a horse and save everybody and fix everything, and we can just sit back and reap the benefits of it, that part of the United States is over now. That no longer exists anymore. Pretending that the transgender ideology and the cross-dressing story hours while they get in their giant demonic headdresses with their makeup on with these grown men show their appendages to young children in the library and pretending that's just going to go away and we can take our kids to it and it won't matter. It'll have no effect because, you know, somebody's going to make a difference besides us. What happens if nobody shows up? Hmm? Million dollar question. What happens if nobody shows up to do anything? Well, uh, yeah. Your whole backup plan failed. You have no backup plan. You have no plan B or plan C or plan D. You put all your eggs in one basket, plan A. You never want to do that, especially from a strategical standpoint. That's why it's important that you continue to see things for what they are. And I don't mean live in a negative realm. I've told you guys that before. You can't walk around living in this fear porn mindset like someone, oh, my gosh, an asteroid's going to hit us tomorrow. Everything's going to be wiped out. No, you don't live like that either. This guy's not giving us a spirit of fear at all. But you have to live in a reality-based world. can't live in a fantasy-based world, and that's exactly what they're trying to promote. 
You remove the laws of nature. Nature doesn't exist. Laws don't exist. You can simply pretend you want to be a walrus now, and everybody else in society is supposed to accept the fact that you're a walrus. And I'm being sarcastic, but I'm using the same ideology that these perverts use in the school systems. So be very, very cautious about what your children are being exposed to. That's extremely right about that. Also, too, I want to touch base on one quick thing that I've gotten like multiple emails on. And I got another email on it yesterday, and this is completely off topic, but I want to address it again simply from a kind of lighter note, but also a helpful daily note that this will really help you guys out if you're trying to make a difference in the overall health of not only your yard, but your community if other people stop using it. We know that glyphosate Roundup is absolutely horrific for the body. We've done the research on it now. We now know what it's doing with the leaky gut syndrome. It's literally rotting the intestines of human beings as they eat more and more GMO foods and why it's so important to do your best to eat organic as possible. And I know there's some food that still has mild testing of uh, you know organic food that has glyphosate in it. But when you compare the difference, it's still completely different. When you start looking at full GMO, genetically modified food that gets sprayed its entire life with Roundup compared to certified organic food that may have some contaminants to it, but still, at the most part, it's a moderately clean food. And I can tell this for a fact in my own personal body when I eat it. This is why we started carrying the organic food buckets in the back because I didn't want to put slop in my body. Somebody asked me again the other day. This is like the third email I've had. They've asked me. Again, that Ted and I have talked about it on how we handle weeds in pavers and on sidewalks and in grass without using Roundup. And I told you guys before we use salt. Now, I don't use the Redmond salt that we carry here at the office. This stuff is super high end. It's not cheap. It's unbelievably healthy for you, and it's good to use on your food. That's the salt that's mined 6,000 feet out of the ground in Utah. It's probably the best salt in the entire world. It's not exposed to any type of contaminants over a mile down where they mine the stuff. It literally gives your food almost a sweet flavor. I'm actually working with a friend of mine who's producing beef jerky, and he's going to be start producing an organic beef jerky line just for us to carry here and for him to sell, obviously, on his own. And he's using the Redmond salt on this formula that he's using, and so far it's coming out really good. The salt that you use in the yards, though, can be simply basically granule pool salt, and Dad taught me this years ago. When you start having weeds pop up in the yard, now this isn't going to basically be beneficial if you're trying to spray your yard and have perfect St. Augustine all the time. There's no way to do that unless you're spraying herbicides and pesticides on your grass all the time. I don't do that. My kids play my grass. I let the weeds win as far as basic like weeds like crabgrass. Now, there's something we have down here called stinging nettles that I have found to be very interesting. They're a very painful plant. They have big spines on them, and they're all over the place. They pop up from different various contaminants, whether it be mowers and so forth, and blowing stuff flies in your grass. And if they step on them barefooted, not only do they hurt because it feels like stepping on a bunch of needles, it burns because they have basically as it's an acidic base to them. And I found this out a while back ago. I was digging out my stingy nettles in my yard all the time to keep the kids from stepping on them, and I couldn't get rid of all of them. It took forever. It was so time invasive. So what I started doing was I started taking some of this pool salt, and Dad will buy in the big 50-pound bags, and I'd just take a cup of it, and I'd walk over the stingy nettles, and I'd sprinkle it all over the stingy nettle. And the spines and all the little you know, pr- uh, points on it would grab the salt. I mean, it would, it would literally stick to it like a magnet. Literally less than a day, it's shriveled up in this just black, 
dead plant. Not even spines aren't even alive anymore. It's completely gone. And I did this, and I've pretty much eradicated my entire yard from stinging nettles now because not only what it does is kill the plant, it takes it all the way down to the root, and any type of seeds or anything that are on the plant are absolutely killed immediately. Dad does the same thing in his house. You can do it for if you have pavers and you have weeds come up in pavers, and you can do it in various areas of the yard that you need to use it. It makes a great alternative to Roundup. It does take more time, but it is unbelievably much healthier and safer for the environment and your yard if you have kids that play in your grass and you do not want them being exposed to glyphosate. Because remember, glyphosate doesn't go away. The stuff doesn't disappear. You don't spray it and all of a sudden it just absorbs and evaporates and it just disappears. The stuff's like the POFA. It doesn't go away. It pretty much stays in the soil, stays in the grass, stays around the plants and just just dissipates and stays there and you're exposed to it on a regular basis as it accumulates. So I wanted to bring that up and kind of address that is a life hack, I guess you could say, when it comes to weeds, Dad. It's something you could do to make a difference without contaminating your yards and exposing your children to Roundup on a regular basis, which, again, as we talked about earlier, has all types of endocrine disruptors in it and causes health problems in the future. What do you think? I agree with you. Uh, but the problem, now remember, when you put salt on your grass, you're going to have a little dead spot. It's just going to kill everything. Uh, if you got a real fancy yard, okay, you probably don't want to do that because you know, I used to have a real fancy yard, and then finally I gave up and the weeds won, and I don't care anymore. I mean, every year, this is 25, 30 years ago when I moved here, I'd have a bunch of areas of my yard that would be bad, and I would come in and I would cut it out, and I would replace it with fresh sod. And, you know, this is when you're living on several acres of property, that becomes very expensive and very labor-intensive. And, and I had talk, I had spoken to another friend of mine. His name was uh, Warren Williams. He was a good man. He's he's gone now, and he's passed on. And and what was interesting with Warren is he basically told me he said one day I'm at the old house I used to live in like you know 35 years ago, and I'm I'm fighting the yard. I'm out there pulling up crabgrass and I'm just a fussing. And I go over to his yard and it's like weeds. And I looked at him and I said, dude, you know you got St. Augustine. I can see it in your yard, but the weeds have taken it over. He goes, don't care. He goes, the weeds won. And I started laughing, and I said, you mean you just let it go? He goes, yeah, there's no point. He says they're going to win. He goes, unless you spray your yard constantly with atrazine and azulox and basagran and Roundup and glyphosate, he goes, and it's unbelievably toxic to the environment, he goes, you're not going to have a pretty yard, period. you got to put chemicals on it. He goes, I'm not going to do that because we live on a lake, and I don't want to contaminate, contaminate the lake. He says, what in the world happens if we have to eat fish out of this lake? It's going to, be, it's going to kill us you know, from the doggone poisoning and from these fish. I thought, whoa, I hadn't thought about that. Well, then I moved to our new place, and I was a lot more judicious with it. And finally, I just said, you know what? I'm done. I'm not going to do this anymore. And so now I have, like, probably, I guess I could say one of the worst yards in the neighborhood, maybe not the worst, but one of the worst, and I don't care. You know, I I finally got, and my dad used to say this to me. I I love my dad. He's a great guy. He used to say, you know, the only reason we call it a weed is because it's growing somewhere where it's not supposed to. Otherwise, it's just a plant. <laughs> I started laughing. I said, "Yes, true. I guess they're all plants." He goes, "Yeah." He goes, "It's, it's awful." He goes, "Because he was so frustrated because he had watched farming go from like an organic endeavor, you know, 120 years ago to basically this whole you got to get you know GMO seed that won't reproduce." He used to fuss about the fact that this GMO seed wouldn't reproduce and you couldn't replant your own seed. He said that basically they've got you because you've got to buy seed from them every year. And then, of course, if it won't reproduce, that means it's deficient in certain nutrients and certain, especially manganese, which is very important for reproductive cycles, especially for ovarian function. And so you get all these, 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 these crops being produced that are using the basic nutrients they have, but then are the trace minerals. And so you start having mineral deficiencies. So let me ask you a question about that. If you have to have a certain amount of selenium in your diet and a certain amount of manganese in your diet, a certain amount of all these different nutrients in your diet to stay healthy, and it's not in the soil, 
because the soils have not been properly taken care of and the crops haven't been rotated and organic fertilizer has not been put on them. And all of a sudden, your plant has no selenium. It has no magnesium. It has nothing in it of any significant quantities. All of a sudden, you eat it, but you, there's no selenium in the plant. And you're thinking, I'm not going to take vitamins. I've got to get my nutrients from my plants. And you're like, no, you're not. No, you're not getting your nutrients from your plants. The plants are devoid of those nutrients. And when you do that, you quickly start to realize that you start having health issues from deficiency diseases. You know, selenium is really important for proper heart health, really, really, really important. B vitamins are really important for proper heart health. And if you don't have certain nutrients in high enough concentrations, you start developing deficiency symptoms and side effects and diseases. It happens all the time. You know, the whole thing with cancer, and many people, and many people believe this is a toxicity disease combined with the fact that you have certain deficiencies and certain antioxidants that your body needs, and your body starts to degenerate very, very quickly. And that's exactly what happens, isn't it? If you have... You know, a glass of water that you have to have every single day to stay alive, there's a hole in the glass, and it starts draining out faster than you can drink it, and you never get the sufficient nutrients that you need and the sufficient hydration from the water, you're going to eventually die. That's exactly what happens to you with nutrients. If the nutrient content's not high enough, it doesn't work. I have a friend of mine, I've been trying for several years to get him to use magnesium for high blood pressure. And he just decided he didn't want to do it. I have no idea why. And all of a sudden now he's using the magnesium, and suddenly... His blood pressure is coming down almost immediately. You know, if magnesium relaxes, calcium contracts. And so if you really want to have a better blood pressure in almost every single case, you, you start taking magnesium. You know, one of the biggest things is you, you, you get it with, you know, heart arrhythmias. You know, if, if the doctor knows what he's doing, he'll put you on a magnesium IV. And in most cases, heart arrhythmia, not in all cases, but in most cases, heart arrhythmias are a direct result of not having enough magnesium in your diet. And see, this is why it's so important that you take your multiple vitamin every day. This is why it's so important to your B-complex, your vitamin E, your C, your D, your zinc, your potassium iodine. That's why the people who took these nutrients on a regular basis, if they did come down with COVID, they weren't that sick. They just bump them up a little bit for a week and then put them back to their normal levels, and they, and they all recovered. 100% of them did that I know of. But the reality is, is that if you don't take your supplements and you allow yourself to develop deficiency diseases, you start having all kinds of health problems, especially as you get older. You know, If you don't have enough zinc in your diet. Your, your body can't produce sperm if you're a guy, and your, and your libido, your sex drive goes through the floor. You have a high probability of being impotent and not having sperm that's going to be allow, allow your wife to basically become pregnant. Just that one, that one mineral does that. And see, that's why it's so important to maintain a really high density intake of vitamins and minerals and nutrients all the days of your life. You know, I'll be 67 my next birthday, and I, I feel great. My mental acuity is still at 100%. Now, mind you, I can't lift as much weight as I used to. I still do curls with 100 pounds. I did that the other day. I can't do as much other heavy weight because of the joints, but that's okay. I'm almost 70 years old, and I'm still doing great. See, that's the key. If you take care of yourself, you know, you be healthy as you get older, and they're not going to put you in a nursing home, and you're not going to stroke out, et cetera, et cetera, at a young age and have all kinds of health issues. Just treat your body like it's the temple of the Holy Spirit. Oh, that's right. It is, isn't it? And take care of it. Don't feed it junk and expect it to perform. It won't do that. Guys, always remember Christ. Always remember Jesus. Always, always, always. I always talk about him on the show because without him, we have no hope. But with him, we have hope and glory. And we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We have tremendous power through a blood covenant with the Most High God. I love you guys. I appreciate you. Austin, finish up, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.
Absolutely, my friends, and that's why we continue to encourage people to stay as healthy as possible. And just something as simple as the ultimate multiple is such a good base to start on. Also, too, I saw in other news somebody was talking about the fact that there's another article coming out about, again, about omega-3 fats and how important they are for the immune system. And they're absolutely right. Obviously, we talk about the vitamin C and the D3 and the quercetin and the zinc, and that's in our our healthy stack as far as it keeps people actually really healthy, especially when they get exposed to any type of virus or start having any type of health issues. That's the one I, we always start on, including myself, and take it on a regular basis. But the omega-3 fats, exactly what Dad was just talking about, there's crucial nutrients that your body needs. If your brain is not functioning properly, a lot of times the omega-3 fats and the memory support, just those two alone right there stacked with the ultimate multiple on a basic stack can make a huge, huge difference. The omega-3 fats are crucial for basically you know, the heart, for the brain, for the re- reproductive system. There's all these different things your body needs omega-3 fats, and the older we get and as far as the worse our food quality gets, the less quality as far as of omega-3 fats in our body. So it's very crucial, especially – for young children and early brain development, the omega-3 fats are crucial. I can't reiterate that anymore. That's why we have the children's cod DHEA liquid and the soft gels that they can actually chew up, and that's the ones that my kids take every day because it's so crucial for the omega-3 fats in the brain. So again, my friends, if you need anything, healthmasters.com. Check out the website. Last day product of the week, the purple sticks on the website at Health Masters. Continue to stay safe, my friends. Keep the truth going out there. Have a blessed, safe, awesome night, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow as always.